0: as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Amen. Well, welcome again. In case you don't know, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. And we have been working through what we're calling Kingdom Practices. As we have uh, spent the last, uh, I guess, a little over a month now diving into what does it mean to be a disciple or a follower or we've used the word apprentice of Jesus. What are the things that we see in Jesus' life and his teaching that are meant to be formational for us who want to live for Jesus and live like Jesus and be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so our first kingdom practice that we have launched this last three or four weeks is the practice of prayer. And hopefully you've been encouraged as we have uh, been talking about that on Sunday morning. And we've had a few sermon plus episodes this last week. We sat down with, I guess, about a dozen to fifteen of uh, the men and women on our care team or shepherding team, and we sat in a room around four mics and brought up a bunch of questions that most of you filled out from the prayer survey and kinda just talked about what's some of our experience and thoughts on formulas and templates and how do you deal with distractions and what are some go-tos and uh, some other wonderful questions. We got a part two of that coming out here in the next couple weeks as well. So hopefully as you've been interacting with this material and, and more importantly, hopefully as you have been praying, And beginning a practice of prayer, you're beginning to see a little bit more of Christ being formed in you and your heart being reoriented to the kingdom of God and the things of God. certainly has been our prayer for you. This morning, we continue in the conversation of the practice of prayer, continuing to look at, as we just read, the Lord's Prayer. Last week, Pastor Mike talked about those first two statements. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This last week, as I woke up and was doing the morning prayer uh, with this practice, those two phrases basically were the places where I stayed and lingered the whole time of that prayer. I'm sure it was probably similar for a lot of you as well. Just as soon as I say Father, I'm reminded, like, oh my goodness, yeah, Abba, I'm your child. You care for me. As we just saw, your Heavenly Father knows your needs before you even come to Him. And so I would just let the reality of a good, uh, loving Father kind of wash over me, remind myself of who I am, my identity, quickly in the morning. And then I would pray, hallowed be your name, which we sang Christ be magnified this morning. It's one of my favorite, you know, personal devotional songs right now too because that's my prayer. I want want the name of Christ to be hallowed and magnified and exalted in me and through me. And so hopefully that has been an encouragement uh, to you this last week. This morning, we look at these next two prayers. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what what I kind of want, you to be thinking about and continue to think about, and then where we're going to land is this question right here: What is your vision of the good life? <laughs> what do you What do you think a good life entails? And you know, many of you have spent your whole life kind of like figuring this out or working towards it. Maybe it's. A career, a successful career, respect from others, maybe it's like to avoid devastating moral failure, maybe it's like, you know, success financially and have so much savings and be able to travel, you've got like, you know, what's your bucket list item and is, if you complete that, is that the good life? Maybe it's just to have friends or to, to be married, to have children, Wh- whatever it may be, what, what is the good life in the way that you have lived, cultivated your schedule and your priorities in life? And then really what we want to ask this morning is how does how we have lived and the rule of life that has you know been our structure for years and decades, is that in sync with what Jesus says is the good life? What does the Lord's prayer say about how I've been living my life and how I need to restructure my life? And so for that, let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer and ask for his help. Lord, thank you for grace. Sermons uh, can be tough sometimes because, by nature, the preached word is oftentimes convicting. And so I just I thank you that um, the words you have given to us are invitations into the good life as Jesus defines it. That there's mercy there's grace, there's strength. And even if there are people today who feel like, man, I've just wasted a lot of my life. What a beautiful gift that you've given us another day. What a beautiful gift that you've given us the hope of eternity. That you are the God who makes all things new. And so just pray that today we would like, sense and embrace of your goodness and your kindness and your power. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Your kingdom come, your will be done. The first question I kinda wanna bring up this morning is what is the kingdom of God? And I bring it up because certainly if we're gonna be praying for the kingdom of God to come, we should probably know what we're (laughs) we're saying, right? Kinda makes sense. You know, if you've been a Christian for a while, you've been in the church for a while, the kingdom word is probably familiar language, but sometimes it's kind of abstract or uh, it's like a lot of words that go with it, you're kinda like, just tell me what the kingdom is. If you've been here at New City for a while, especially when we were going through the biography of Jesus found in the Gospel of Mark, we talk about the, the kingdom of God often. So let me just refresh our memory and try to paint a little bit of a picture of what God's kingdom looks like or what that means. Some people have described the kingdom of God as God's people in God's place under God's rule. It's, it's the children of God wherever they are in the presence of Jesus where they are acknowledging his rule and his reign. So in that sense, which I would agree with for sure, I think there's more, but I would agree with that for sure. In that sense, here we are today in this room in the kingdom of God, amen. The Lord is with us, his presence is here, we belong to him, we're professing him as king over our lives and we're seeking to live like him. And so there's evidence, we pr- Pastor Mike and I prayed that this morning before the services, that there would be evidence of the spirit of God here among us. Another person has said, it's, it's also God's redemptive presence coming down from heaven to earth. So it's not just his presence, but it's his redemptive presence. He's doing a work, he's redeeming something. Aaron Shaw, who's a fellow for the Bible Project, says it this way. It's the the kingdom of God is the fulfillment of God's long-standing promise to eradicate corruption and death. To completely renew creation and forever establish a world where you love everyone and you know that everyone loves you. Now let me break that down a little bit. In other words, what we need to understand about the kingdom of God is it's just not being a child of God, aware of his presence, and acknowledging that he's Lord and King. The kingdom of God is active. It's mobile, it's mission-oriented, it's working. And so it's not enough for us just to say like, this is where we experience the kingdom of God and isn't this wonderful, now go on with your lives. When you pray that the kingdom of God would come, what you're praying, what we're praying here this morning is when you leave here, that you would go scatter seeds of the kingdom and the Lord would cause growth and this movement of redemption to happen. That literally in our community, in our homes, in our life, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would begin to eradicate corruption and death and that which is sick around us. And so, this is something that Jesus is doing. And this happens namely through love, which is what Aaron Shaw is saying here. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so what literally does the kingdom of God look like in action? Love. How do you go and care for those around you? How do you provide for those around you? How do you, you know, intercede for those who are marginalized and outcast? How do you take care of very practical, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional needs in the community and in your homes? How do you give yourself away? How do you lay down your rights for the good of others? How do you outdo one another in showing honor, as Paul says in Romans 12? And the list goes on and on and on. How do I believe all things and hope all things and endure all things? How am I benevolent and kind and long suffering? And where that is taking place, the kingdom of God is afoot. It's not just being together, which is awesome, and being aware of the presence of God. The kingdom of God is at work. In fact, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 2, and then chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus says, Repent. In other words, Turn from your old lifestyle. Turn from your old kingdom building. Turn from your selfish ambition, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when Jesus came on the scene, you know, if you were here when we went through Mark, or you're familiar with the Gospels, you know this, and you're familiar with kind of like king and kingdom language in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, the people, the Jews, were misunderstanding the nature of this kingdom. They thought it was political, they thought it was earthly. And Jesus is teaching that it's spiritual and heavenly. And all throughout the gospels, people are expecting Jesus to raise up an army and revolt against Rome, and establish a literal and obvious throne where Jesus would sit. And over and over, throughout Jesus' life and teaching, he's correcting the people's misunderstanding about the nature of his kingdom. In fact, you see a glimpse of this in John chapter three, where Jesus says, truly, I truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there's insight there, beginning of John's gospel, where we see if you want to see and experience and live in the com- in the community of the kingdom of God, you gotta be born again. This was our this was our responsive reading. This is our last song. Open the eyes of my heart that I might see you and know you and love you. We're asking to, to experience a fresh and powerful ways this spiritual reality, not just realm of the kingdom of God. It comes by the Spirit of God, not coercion or power, like Pastor Mike mentioned in his prayer. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, and then again, almost identical phrase in chapter 9, verse 35, it says that Jesus went through all. Galilee, chapter four. Cities and villages, chapter nine. Teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And then watch, watch its activity. Healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Jesus began to teach in parables then about the kingdom where he's trying to excite the imagination in our understanding of what the kingdom of God looks like. And he speaks in these parables, and the parables are all about the kingdom of God. And so he talks about the kingdom being like yeast hidden in a loaf of bread. The kingdom of God is like this pearl of great value. It's like a treasure that's found in a field. It's like a net that's thrown into the sea. It's like laborers in a vineyard. It's like a small mustard seed. And then you begin to see that there's all these upside down values. In fact, we're in the middle of in this famous sermon by Jesus, and before in chapter five he talks about how those who see and experience and inherit the kingdom of God are people who are poor and lowly of spirit and meek, and you begin to see in Jesus' teaching that he is totally unimpressed with the affluential and wealthy. The kingdom of God is upside down. And Jesus is provoking people to come and believe and live in his kingdom. In Jesus, the kingdom of God has come and it continues to come through his spirit to break through. And so again, just to be very, very, very clear, the kingdom of God is afoot where God's people are aware of his presence, submitting to his rule and reign, and then the activity of the kingdom, namely love, is being expressed and worked out. That's the kingdom of God. So what does it mean to pray for God's kingdom to come? It seems pretty self-explanatory at this point. Well, I'm praying that all those things would happen. (laughs) I'm praying for more people to be children of God. <laughs> I'm praying for God's presence to be you know, made, made very aware and experienced in more places. I'm asking for more people to recognize Jesus as king and to submit to his authority. And then I'm asking that love would take place in me, through me, around me, my community, my city, my nation, the world. Now you can, uh, you can already see too how I mentioned this whole last week when I was praying as Pastor Mike had encouraged us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. This, wha- la- uh, this last week, I was also getting into a lot of your kingdom come and what it was doing in my own head was, okay, your kingdom, your will, and so Lord, as I look at my calendar, and I would literally look at my calendar, as I think about the people I'm gonna see today, the conversations I'm probably gonna have, the things I have to do, I'm just trying to like submit all of this to you, one, and re-see it, (laughs) like filter it through the reality of your kingdom. God, would you use me to speak truth about you so that those who I'm with today might ask questions about you or want to know you? And the Lord answered that prayer several times this week. I told Pastor Mike, I'm like pumped right now because I got, I got some relationships I'm cultivating. I'll get emotional right now about it. I've been praying for two of them this last week brought up with me were like, I want to sit down and talk with you about Jesus in the Bible. And I'm like, yeah, you do. <laughs> That's what I'm praying. And then I'm praying that people would experience God's presence. And then I'm, I, I'm praying that people in the midst of turmoil and chaos in this world and darkness would see Jesus as the king we're following and submitting to full allegiance. And then I'm saying, also, Lord, I need you to help me to like love people and love you. And so when needs arise, or somebody's being mistreated, or somebody's alone, or something is expressed, help me just to like run to it like glue. Use it as like a a magnetic field, like pulling me into it. Help me to disperse seeds of your kingdom as I go out throughout the day. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus uses two small parables that'll be on the screen. Beginning in verse 31, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. A man takes, sows in his field, it's the smallest of all seeds, and when it has grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. There's another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a leaven, like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. In other words, when I'm praying for God's kingdom to come, according to this parable, I'm asking for like growth and expansion. And even this week, I was looking again at my calendar, my things, and I'm saying, okay, Lord, these are like things that you've called me to steward. I wanna steward well and I'm essentially offering them all as seeds to you, as leaven. So as I go, and I live, and I exercise dominion, and I steward what you've entrusted to me, use all of them as seeds, as leaven, to contaminate my surroundings with the love and reality of Christ, and then cause it to grow. When I'm praying for God's kingdom to come, I'm, I'm asking for growth. I wanna contaminate my city with the love of Jesus when you pray for God's kingdom to come, you're asking in many ways that the realities of Jesus and his kingdom and his word would infiltrate our lives, be all-consuming. I love, you know, there's this statement that talks about when you live in the kingdom, when you're following Jesus on the way, your religious activity changes because your religious activity is no longer about you getting into heaven but heaven getting into you. I mean, how much of your life have you spent trying to do and say the right things and be the right person so that you can be sure you're a Christian and get to heaven? And the words and example of Jesus are like, you're missing the whole thing. This isn't about you getting to heaven. It's about me getting into you, my kingdom getting into you, heaven getting into you. And then it transforms everything you think about religious activity. Why am I coming here this morning? I'm not here this morning to prove that I love Jesus and hopefully he's like, well, good job, church attendance is marked off. There's you know, a point for salvation for you and I can feel better about myself. It's like, no, I'm here because I need Jesus to get into me. And then I need him to work through me and my surroundings. Kevin Young says, life in the church looks forward to the eternal life where God's redemptive presence will be enjoyed to the fullest. So there is, you know, you've heard the language, already, not yet. It's already come. We experience it in bits and pieces, but it's not yet here fully. In the age to come, the kingdom will no longer be something that's broken in here or there. It will be all in. Think of the good news from Revelation eleven fifteen: The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And by the way, it's becoming that right now. And he shall reign forever and ever. That's what's coming. The kingdom of God is the heavenly world breaking into our earthly existence. Don't think of the kingdom as a realm to which we're going as much as a reality that is coming to us. This reveals both the meaning and the goal of history. But what about your will be done? your kingdom come and your will be done seems somewhat synonymous, but there's this little nuance when we pray your will be done after we pray your kingdom come that forces us to really think about what we just prayed. <laughs> We've said it several times, but the, the act of prayer, especially if you're gonna pray your kingdom come, is an act of submission and surrender. Because if I really think about the reality of the kingdom, and what it means for me and what Jesus calls me to, the immediate reaction of my natural flesh is going to be opposition. And the reason is because God's kingdom is a threat to my kingdom. I've got plans, I've got routines, I've got dreams, I've got ambitions. And by the way, Jesus, most of them are really good. I want to be in control. This is why Jesus tells us to pray the phrase, your will be done, your will be done, your will be done. Eric Raymond says that this is a convicting word because we cannot cry thy kingdom come while promoting our own kingdom. Sin is an expression of disloyalty to the king. It's a trading of crowns, he says. It salutes the flag of self over the flag of Christ. Therefore, the cry of loyalty is also a cry of repentance. We want the kingdom to come in the world around us and also in us. Remember, Jesus says, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You have got to surrender and submit yourself, your will, your kingdom, your plans, your agendas, your everything to Jesus and ask for his will to be done. It's complete submission. What's crazy, though, and this is what's so beautiful about the kingdom of God, is that Jesus says, hey, don't worry, in my kingdom, if you come and you give yourself away, you find yourself. In my kingdom, if you come and you die, you actually live. It's hard, Pastor Mike talked several, several weeks ago about how like, you know, a lot of the changes that we're gonna make if we're serious about practicing Jesus, I mean, if you're gonna be serious about following Jesus, especially as we've been talking about, one of the first things that you gotta do is subtraction. (laughs) This isn't even like, you know, all right, I gotta add all these Christian things to my life. It's like, no, one of the first things you need to do is take a whole lot of stuff out of your life. You're you're too busy, you're too distracted, so things gotta go, and Pastor Mike said, it's gonna feel like a whole lot of mini-deaths. A whole lot of mini-deaths. This is Paul's testimony. Paul, an apprentice of Jesus, literally said, I die daily. That's what your kingdom come and your will be done means. That's an act of death. You're going to feel that. To submit your kingdom and will to God means that you're going to experience in this life suffering, pain, and loss, which, by the way, is what you're working so hard in your kingdom to avoid. And you're not going to get everything in Jesus' kingdom that you think you deserve <laughs> or that you think you need to thrive from a worldly standpoint. If we faithfully follow Jesus to the end, it's not gonna look like what the kingdoms of this world say is a vision of the good life. But Jesus' life and his words speak to this reality as well. Jesus himself experienced betrayal and poverty and hunger and violence as he lived in the ways of God's kingdom. And throughout the four gospels, the story of Jesus shows him remaining confident that his life was in the Father's hands and it was good and the climax of Jesus example here is found in the garden when he himself at the point of death and betrayal and loss prayed these very words not my will but your will be done now there's a structure here i want to i want to talk a little bit more about this kingdom come will be done prayer but to help us see it a little more clearly and what 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 we're actually praying here what's taking place in our hearts and then in our lives you need to kind of look at the structure of the lord's prayer because there's something very important is happening here We've talked about well, first of all, I'll say this. When you come to the Lord's Prayer, you should be encouraged. Because you not only are aware of things that like you need and desire, but you become aware of what the Father desires. And so this is so great. According to the Lord's Prayer, here's what you need every day: bread, forgiveness, and deliverance. You need that every day. You need daily bread, you need to be forgiven and to forgive others and you need to be delivered from the evil one. Led not into temptation. Every single day you need it. What's so great about the Father's or the, the Lord's prayer is that your heavenly Father knows you need these things and his desire is to give them to you. He wants you to come and ask him for that. He's pleased, his name is magnified, his kingdom comes and his will is done when you receive bread and forgiveness and deliverance. Praise the Lord. When Gianna wrote our scripture this morning, he, Jesus says, hey, there's all these people who are puffing their chest and they're praying and they get the reward. Everybody thinks they're so righteous and so incredible, so holy. You go to your room. Don't let anybody see you. And your Father who sees you in private will reward you there. I love that word. And then he says, for your Heavenly Father already knows what you need. <laughs> That's so great. So he knows what we need. And he says, before you ask me about my needs, let me reshape your needs. Let me reorient your heart. Let me, because what's gonna happen is your needs, your desires, your wants, if you come right into prayer with supplication, all right, Lord, here's my list, it's gonna be contaminated with your kingdom. And if you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, you've just laid the filter. And now as words are coming out of your mouth, or coming out of your heart, or coming to mind, it's bumping into the kingdom and the will of God, and then you're going, okay, there's acts of submission and surrender happening here. And the Lord who knows what you need, and will give you what you need, is doing something in your heart in the process. In Matthew chapter six, later on in this sermon, we see in verse 25, look at this. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Don't you love, don't you love when something terrible happens in your life or something really, really stressful and somebody's like, mm, mm, mm. just don't worry about it. And you're like, I'm going to slap you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to help me? What do you mean don't worry about it? You got the solution? Before the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, your Heavenly Father already knows what you need. Here. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about your life. Not only does the Lord know my needs better than I do, sometimes I have to have him like I like forget what I have to do, which is, you know, a need. And I'm like, all right, Lord, you're gonna have to remind me. He's like, Don't worry, I got you. The Lord knows all things even I can't remember, and he knows what tomorrow holds. I mean, it's pretty probable that there are future sicknesses in this room. Probably somebody's gonna get cancer. Probably there's gonna be loss. Probably there's gonna be relational issues. Probably there's gonna be a job loss and a financial burden. That's just like the broken world we live in. And not only does Jesus know about your needs today, right now, he knows what's coming up tomorrow. And he says, don't worry. Don't, don't be anxious. Listen to what he says. Don't, don't, don't worry about what you're gonna eat, or what you're gonna drink, about your body, what you're gonna put on. Isn't life more than food? in the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field. They grow, they don't toil, they don't spin, but I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Don't be anxious saying, what am I gonna eat? What am I gonna drink? What's gonna happen with that situation? Where am I gonna live? Who am I gonna be with? What's gonna happen to my job? How am I gonna pay my bills? The Gentiles seek. Say seek. The Gentiles seek. Seek after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The Lord's Prayer tells us the Lord knows our needs, and he's going to give us our needs. He's gonna reward us when we go to him. He's gonna take care of us. What he's saying is your kingdoms are built around you trying to provide clothing and comfort and familiarity and this vision of the good life. And I'm telling you, my vision of the good life is better. You think, well, if I submit and surrender this kingdom and this will and these ambitions to you, then who's gonna take care of these things? And Jesus is like, the father is. The father is. And by the way, don't you want somebody else to take care of it for you? I definitely do. Sign me up for that. Those of you who are like, no, that's called control freak. (laughs) When we come and we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not that we're ignoring other good things that God has given to us, entrusted to us. It's not that we're everything in our life is being crucified and dying. It's that it's being reshaped or at least submitted and surrendered. And we're going, my main priority, my, ex- my reason for existence is the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of self. Or not all the things that I'm trying to do apart from you. There's this... Uh, Comer talks about this, like, great, interesting use of the word priority. I still didn't look it up. <laughs> I thought to myself at the first service, I'm like, I can't remember what the date was. But at some point, the word priority in English allowed for the plural form, which was priorities. Priorities wasn't a thing. I know you're typically like, well, in English, if you drop the Y and you add I, yes, it's plural. That's not the way it worked with this. Priority was just one word. Because there is no way with what the word meant for there to be anything other than one priority. (laughs) When you say priorities, you still then have got to prioritize your priorities and something's got to be the priority. You see what's happening here? (laughs) And so think about this. You know, William Law famously said, if you've not chosen the kingdom of God first it will in the end make no difference what you've chosen instead. Jesus says, I want you to align your vision of the good life with my vision of the good life. Trust me and know that I know better than you how to live trust me that my vision for human flourishing and about everything from money to career to success to generosity to sexuality to truth to community to individualism whatever the topic is jesus says i know how to do this better than you i actually made you i know how i set you up to thrive as a human being in relationship with god and his community and his world so trust me Orient and align your vision of the good life with mine and every single day submit it again to me. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And you're gonna have to do it every day. Make the kingdom of God your aim, your priority, your magnetic north on the compass. Everything else submits to that. And some things, brothers and sisters, will have to go. Some things will have to change. And then other things, God is just gonna say, amen, child, keep pressing on and running. This is good and I delight in it. The temptation that we face as followers of Jesus is to make the kingdom of God one of our priorities along with work, along with career along with financial goals, along with other things we're passionate about, along with our family, along with our children, along with weekends away, along with our image, along with what people think about us, along with golfing or pickleball or traveling, whatever the thing is, the temptation is that the kingdom of God is gonna be one of the priorities of your life. And you might even say, the kingdom of God matters to me. You might even make sacrifice. You might give. You might even give 11%. (laughs) You might even attend church almost every Sunday. You might even every now and then show up at a growth group and attend prayer and praise service. And you're like, look, I'm doing this. Jesus, you matter to me. Your kingdom matters to me. And he's often like, nah, I'm just one of your priorities. The ebb and flow of our seasons and our responsibilities and that which God has given us to steward is a thing here for sure. And this isn't a black and white thing where every single one of our lives is gonna look the same. And our schedule and our calendar, for goodness sake, Pastor Mike and Julie have encouraged me and Abby so much because it's like, you know what? Abby and I can't do a whole lot right now. Specifically, Abby, she can't pour into people in this church a lot. You wanna know why? She's pouring into our three kids at home. We're very young. Julie and Mike have a little bit of a different opportunity there. And so it's like even the way we serve in the kingdom is a little different right now based on our season. But the point is this, you cannot, Jesus will not allow you, the Lord's Prayer will not allow you to tack the king and his kingdom onto your kingdom and your life. And so in closing, just a real practical thought, you know, you might say, okay, cool. And so here I am saying again, so hey, let's, let's, let's keep going. Here's the application again. Wake up every morning this week and pray the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> I, I love that this is just the continual application. The afternoon, if you think about it, you're praying a prayer of renewal, reminding yourself of who you are. In the evening, you're praying maybe through a psalm. But maybe you're like, okay, hey, the further we get into this Lord's Prayer, especially praying this morning about God's kingdom and I'm gonna need to like submit my will and like basically put my life to the test and bring it to Jesus and be like, what do you want me to do? And then I'm gonna have to listen. Maybe some of you are like, I don't actually think I can pray that. Certainly don't feel like I can pray that with sincerity. What do I do? Maybe even some of you are four weeks in are like, hey, honestly, I'm just struggling to wake up and pray. And maybe you're honestly like, I just don't actually want to pray. It's like, what do you do? All right, here's my encouragement for you. First, I would say there are a lot of things in life that you don't wanna do, that you just need to do. Now this analogy is gonna fall short, I'm very aware of it. So don't run ahead of me in your mind and poke holes. Just be patient. You know, when I was playing soccer, it's like, hey, Coach Gene Schieffer, Coach Gene Schieffer, this German stud, he would be like, Aubrey, ladders. I'm like, I don't want to. And he'd be like, I don't care. <laughs> well, this wasn't a question. Go run ladders. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why I have to eat healthy food. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know why I got to do a lot of these things, but I don't want to do There's so many things in life I do that I don't want to do. Amen? So there is a point. There is a part here. There is like this category for you don't want to pray. Well, too bad. You belong to Jesus. Like pray. Just Pray. What are we even talking about? You do stuff all the time that you seemingly don't wanna do. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you just pray, you need to pray. So goodness gracious, pray. However, that logic doesn't carry over from the motivation of the world into Christianity because this, motivations for why I eat healthy or why I exercise or why I go and, and do this and do that, those mo- motivations in my life are continually shifting. And the promises don't always deliver. And that's where it's like, here's the beautiful thing about Christianity. Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Your father who sees you in secret will reward you. Hebrews eleven six, it says that the Lord, or uh, for whoever would draw near to God, whoever would draw near to God, after prayers, certainly that, must believe that He exists and believe that He will prove to reward those who seek Him. That's what the English translation is there. Jesus says, He not only says, Oh, you don't want to pray? Too bad. <laughs> I mean, He doesn't really actually say that, but I'm saying that. Jesus says, Oh, you don't want to pray? Trust me. Yeah, you do. <laughs> And if you seek after me, if you seek me first, I will prove to reward you. And it's not just reward, but like as in like we'll get things or he'll provide our needs. What actually happens is your wanter, as Pastor Mike calls it, your heart is gonna change. Your desires are gonna change. I mean, I can testify today. I literally am involved in practices today that 10 years ago, I'm like hard pass. I used to hate reading the Bible. I didn't understand it, and it was boring to me. And it didn't feel like things were jumping off the page, and we talk about like everybody else is getting an encounter with Jesus, and I'm kinda like, well, I don't know what this means. I feel like I'm gonna use it wrongly. And over 10 years, it, didn't, it wasn't magic, it didn't happen overnight. I just like, all right, I know I need to do this. I'm gonna seek the Lord. I'm gonna ask a lot of questions. I'm gonna read other books. I'm gonna put it into practice. I'm gonna grow day by day by day by day. And you know what happens now? If I go a period of time and I'm not like in his word, I'm just kind of like, I feel gross. And it's not like, oh, I have to do this. It's like, I really, really need to hear from the Lord. The Lord will prove himself to reward those who seek after him. And so just test him this week. You may not want to. It's okay, Jesus has come. You may be like, yeah, but Lord, I don't think this prayer is going to be authentic. And he's like, I got you. I'm going to make it authentic. (laughs) You let me do what only I can do. And you do what I've called you to do. That's the practices. So let's bow our heads.